This is TV Podcast Industries. We're back with Pennyworth Podcast, all about the penultimate episode of Pennyworth, Al McCogan. I do this, then I'm out. No charges on me. Free and clear. Free and clear. Unless, of course, for any reason you fail to complete your side of the deal. Fair enough. Don't add up, though, does it? There's a high risk of making Harwood a martyr. The Ravens could gain big from his death at Pulse. Your chiefs wouldn't want him dead unless there was some other threat in play. The Pretender and his wife are in England. Harwood has them under lock and key, ready to slap crowns on the blighters. He also has a large faction of the Army High Command on his side. They like wars too. Why not just kill the Duke? Not that I'm offering. No, one can't murder Dukes. Not unless there's no viable alternative. Now you know everything, um, I'll have a word with the warden, shall I? Welcome back, Governors, to the penultimate episode of Pennyworth Season 1 on the Pennyworth Podcast. This is Al McCogan, and I am your host, Derek, not Al McCogan. Hello there, fellow <laughs> Governors. Yes, I am one of your other hosts, John, and we are here with Al McCogan, otherwise known as Episode 9 of Season 1 of Pennyworth, mm-hmm. over on TV Podcast Industries. Remember, you can subscribe and rate us, leave a review over at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can search the Pennyworth Podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other straight lace or groovy podcast catchers of your choice. But please head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com for all your wider DC Batverse worlds building on Pennyworth. <laughs> yes, we are in London. It is election time and anarchy has come to the streets of England. But before we get into chaos and anarchy, let's go to that steady, stable ship of postal delivery. Welcome to our Royal Mail, our feedback for all things Pennyworth. Be a love. Put stamps on them. Pop them in a letterbox for me. You know I can't do that. You can Yes, if you want to send in any feedback on any of the episodes so far in Pennyworth, just make sure you email them to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries, or we still have our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV Podcast if you want to share your thoughts over there. Over on our website, first off, uh, in response to our ongoing questions about why the shows are named the way they are about the episode titled Scylla Black which was episode 6 Lisa Leal shared the lyrics to Scylla Black's song Alfie that song was used in the film Alfie as well which starred Michael Caine as the titular character uh, and he forms the basis of this version of Alfred Pennyworth as well in the show so lots of good connections there um, obviously Alfie being Alfred Pennyworth in the show uh, and Scylla Black being the one that sang that song so loads of connections it could be those so thanks very much for that Lisa yeah thanks Lisa uh, for the connections yeah I, I'm really enjoying this kind of some of them are a bit oblique it's not that direct as mm-hmm. such but it, it, it's a nice little reference to the kind of era that they're wanting to set uh Pennyworth in, exactly. even though yes, it's set in the fifties, sixties, but with thirty degrees, you know, of change, uh, mm-hmm. or or sixty degrees, or even one eighty degrees. Look, <laughs> let's face it, we've had people in cages hung from lampposts. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, that's that's kind of pretty medieval, I think, Absolutely. and a really weird justice system in this episode that we're going to get into uh, as we go as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, but over on our Facebook page on episode eight, Roger Sprung says a couple of thoughts. I think Frances Gaunt resigned too easily to let Harwood return as leader of the Raven Society. Mm. She just might be biding her time to make her move against him, probably to make sure his demise would point suspicion towards someone else. Interesting. I think she has a lot of problems with some of the things Harwood wants to do. Without a confession from Curzon, there are still unanswered questions about Esme's death. I'm still not 100% convinced that Curzon was the killer. Or maybe 90% convinced. 
And yes, the uniforms the police squad were wearing when they arrested Alfred at the end of the previous episode looked very Nazi SS-like. Mm. Yes, I think this is definitely police state uh, for sure. Um, and it seems as though other countries in Europe are also along those lines. If not, the, the Nazi party is still kind of in control or some kind of fascist organization mm-hmm. I, and also i think yes certainly there's something a little disjointed between harwood and francis gaunt she certainly is not wanting anything to do with uh, bringing the duke and duchess of windermere to kind of usurp the the queen um if and when they're successful with their kind of coup d'etat really mm. but certainly yeah she is less happy about that kind of um suggestion from from lord harwood so who knows she might just flip indeed um and i think yes as we say curzon seems to have been the killer of esme but it's who is behind him i think Um, maybe you know it it's he he was the lackey that went to kill her but there was a bigger player ordering that move against alfred Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's like as if he was pointed towards Esme to, to use his disturbing abilities, I suppose, to, to kill her. Uh, the idea that he wanted to, to choke her out and kill her uh, was definitely really interesting. Um, in terms of Frances Gaunt, yeah, it does seem like she stepped away from the center stage very easily to hand over to Harwood. But, you know, it, it was always said that she stepped up to take, to take his place because nobody else would do it, basically. So, um, so you're entirely right, John, possibly. The more she hears about Harwood's plans, the more likely she's going to do something about them, um, which is interesting. You know, uh, as we're as we're saying here, we're on the second last episode of this series, There's only one more episode to go. And it does feel like they're kind of going, we can tie up all the loose ends in this season. If we don't get a second season, then at least we've told a complete story right here. If we do get a second season, they've got loads of threads they can pull out and tug at and expand a bit more in the second season. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much, Roger, uh, for for that feedback. Really good to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. Thanks, Roger. Uh, also on episode 8, Charlotte Bain said, I love Alfred and Beth together, especially when at the tea shop. I love how she expresses her feelings for Ez. Only a woman would know how I feel. <laughs> Alfred knew she was serious. Alfred knew all the players were. He was ready to kill Curzon, but Aziz set it up to kill Alfred. Our girl Beth got Aziz by, by the throat with that hunting knife as well. And then he shot Curse on the head and the dirty wet nurse. Yes, dirty wet nurse. Bad dirty wet nurse. Bad dirty wet nurse. (laughs) Then Alfred left. Bet felt a bit cheated, so she kept bludgeoning Curzon's dead body afterwards. I love her character, says (laughs) Charlotte. Those were my favorite scenes. Alfred talking at Ez's grave was touching, but here came Aziz and those Nazi SS looking police. Father Pennyworth was so enamoured with the Ravens League, but Harwood looking gangster with that silver nose. He has the power to stop the horses and those cops from hitting his followers. Yeah, that was a fascinating scene, wasn't it? Yeah. I was wondering, as we said, whether he has some form of superpowers. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I just wonder whether it's because he scared the living daylights out of the horse. Possibly, possibly. They just respect to the voice. You know, that's all it was. Uh, finally, Charlotte says, Francis Gone looks scared and nervous of this power-hungry nature. Oh boy, I hope there's a season two of this show. Love you guys and your podcast as always definitely your tongue twisters and comic relief thank you so much charlotte for the feedback really good to to get your ideas and comments on episode eight of pennyworth Mm -hmm. yep thanks very much for that charlotte and a final piece of feedback in from william walton he says i think alfred is going to be offered a deal by inspector aziz or the prime minister to kill lord harwood and then he can go free Good guessing there, William. That kind of sets us up really well for this new episode of the show. I know you haven't watched the episode yet, but uh, there were definitely some steps in there setting up that this is what was going to happen for Alfred when he was being caught in the graveyard at the end of the last episode as the SS-like police people arrived, that they were going to do something for him. But uh, we'll talk about that a lot more, I think, in this episode itself, right? Yeah, good uh, good theory there, uh, William. Yeah, well, definitely. Detective work from William. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, before we go into the episode, just to mention, this is the 22nd of September when we're recording this episode. It's five years since the first episode of Gotham aired, which gave us our kick into the DC Universe wow. shows, which is kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's pretty massive. Yeah, like we did start recording in February of that year, so we've been recording for over five and a half years uh, just on the DC shows. So uh, it's kind of interesting that we've gone five years of Gotham and now into Pennyworth. So kind of cool. Yeah, really, um, lot of podcasting under the bridge here, uh, and certainly some great episodes of both Gotham. And I have to say, 
I think we're really enjoying Pennyworth and really hope this gets a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Alfred Pennyworth's story, along with Martha and Thomas Wayne, it just shows how much potential there is to to tap into something completely new here. And mm-hmm. I think it's been done uh, in a really solid way. So, yeah, hats off to everyone doing Pennyworth. Yeah, absolutely. I know Zishun, one of the writers for Gotham, was pointing out this is the first Batman day that's gone by since... Gotham ended, and obviously we can now say this is the first Batman day that's come after Pennyworth has started airing. So, you know, another legacy for the DC world in these Batman shows as well, so that's kind of cool. Anyway, I think it's time to get into our discussion about this episode of Pennyworth Alma Cogan. So first things first, why is the episode called Alma Cogan? Who was she? Who was the the character herself? Um, She was one of the highest paid female singers of the 60s. Sadly, she did die of ovarian cancer in 1966. Um, So very young, while she was still at the prime of her career, really. Uh, It's it's kind of rumoured as well that she had a relationship with John Lennon uh, during the time when he was married to his wife, his first wife. Um, And she could possibly have been the reason that they split, that John Lennon and his first wife split. Interesting. Um, Yeah, a lot of people blame Yoko Ono, but there are stories out there. There's are, there are rumors out there. I feel like I'm I'm in the Daily Mail column from the 60s at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but that's effectively, she is this well-known character that would have been known throughout the 60s and throughout a lot of the other bands in, in the year as well. And, and sadly died very young in 1966 as well. So once again, another high-profile female entertainer from the 60s being highlighted here in the names for the episode. Uh, this episode is written again by Bruno Heller, who's written many of the episodes this season, the first five and then this as well. So, yeah. uh, so that's really good to see him back for these last two episodes of the show and once again directed by Rob Bailey Uh, Rob Bailey directed episode 5 of Pennyworth so we've already mentioned it before but he obviously directed the Gotham finale as well so nice to have Rob Bailey back in here for another episode of the show yeah good stuff to have these two back for writer and director duties uh, respectively Mm -hmm. well John do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode sure Alfred Pennyworth is tried and sentenced for the murder of his former army captain, but he refuses to give up Bet Sykes as he becomes a resident at Her Majesty's pleasure, locked up at Newgate Prison. Outside the tall prison walls, the streets of England descend into anarchy with the return of Lord Harwood, and the Prime Minister makes a high-sinks gamble as he announces a general election. Both the Raven Society and the No Name League look to secure an electoral pact and agree to meet to seal their deal. Meanwhile, Harwood and Francis Gaunt realise that they need the backing of the Queen, as Duke and Duchess Windermere become an increasingly frightful nightmare for the Raven Society. (laughs) Back in prison, Alfred is hired by Inspector Aziz to kill the leaders of the Raven Society and No Name League at their historic meeting as the two radical groups make inroads during the election campaign. Somewhere in a field in England, Alfred puts the leaders of the Raven Society and No Name League in his crosshairs. But as he gets ready to shoot, he sees his former employers, Thomas Wayne and Martha Kane, both sent to represent the No Name League. As sniper Alfred purposely misses his targets, he disrupts the government's plans, allowing Harwood, Thomas and Martha to escape. Somewhere in a forest in England, another momentous event happens as Her Royal Highness meets the Sykes sisters. Oh, yes. What a great ending to this episode. We'll definitely be getting there as we go through the questions of this episode. John, let's get into our first question for the episode. Who's in charge here? Alfred being sent to prison and then back out again pretty quickly overall. Um, I was kind of intrigued by this whole thing at the beginning of the episode. I kind of referenced it earlier on, you know, this idea that effectively they had a kind of a, a kangaroo course would be the way you'd, you'd call it, where they have a sitting course that just is sentencing people to prison and then they just bring yeah. them downstairs without any major trial. It's kind of like a tap, tap, you're in prison for seven years to, to Alfred, you know. But before he goes down there, they do have that discussion with Aziz offering his help once once again to Alfred and he kind of goes, well... Um, your help hasn't been very helpful so far. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is, and this is certainly one of the situations where Alfie, uh, Alfred seems to be, you know, he, he's put into prison. He walks through, but he finds uh, and makes himself, I think, pretty comfortable mm-hmm. pretty quickly in prison as he seems to sort of lead and head 
the um the the prison world uh wants inside so you know he he's up the stairs seemingly in the ensuite room whilst everyone else is stacked high um and all a bit sweaty and, and sort of um crowded down in in the well of, of the prison so yeah. it, it's interesting that it, in in this moment he actually you know, is pretty adaptable enough to be able to thrive even within prison. He seems to be the kingpin of uh, Newgate Prison here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of really enjoyed that. You know, we, we see Sandra coming in with um, information from Bazza and Dave, Dave Boy, uh, about a breakout that they're going to do. I think it's stay low and tight and remember Rangoon yeah. is, is the phrase that she says. But Alfred really uh, doesn't want Rangoon to happen um, because it was really all a bit of a bloodbath um, and he wants to make sure that he's alive. He, he kind of has this inkling that he's going to be um, able to get himself out of prison if he just lies low and waits. I mean, yeah. he, he's lying low in the sense that he controls the prison, inside the prison. Um, but certainly it's about time, waiting, being patient. Yeah. Um, so... Really interesting. And that kind of, you know, it speaks to his SAS roots where, you know, you are doing intel, you're hiding, you, you're, you're scoping out enemy targets and you are having to be really precise when you act. So I kind of really enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. It just feels like an interesting moment for Alfie because it's giving you even more about his character. Remember, there was an episode of Gotham, uh, I think one of my least favorite episodes, actually, where Ben McKenzie's Jim Gordon is sent to prison on his own and he effectively takes the opportunity to protect an inmate in there rather than doing what Alfred's doing here and taking over the prison. So it's just showing a very different character yeah. at the center of Pennyworth than was at Gotham, you know. Um, I really like the idea because sometimes you, you would see in a show like this, this would be the entire episode. Possibly even the entire series of a show would be about somebody going up the ladder of of control of a prison. Uh, in here, you literally have, as I, as I mentioned in the question, you have Alfred walking in the door and going, right, who's in charge here? And the next time you see him, he's being called Mr. Pennyworth for everybody. Uh, when Sandra's trying to leave, he says, make sure she gets out of here safely. And if any of the screws ask any questions, drop my name so she'll be okay, basically. So he's, he's instantly in control, you know? I do have, like these moments moments here with Sandra when she's when she's in there as well and um, she's saying she's not there to chase him she's just there to deliver a message but he takes the opportunity to tell her to stick clear of people like him you know get out of here you don't need to be around people like me and men like me um, and she kind of you know she takes a little bit of offense to it she kind of says well yeah. I get to choose who I go with it's nothing to do with your decisions but that's not what I'm here for but you can tell afterwards when she's been kind of kicked to the curb a little bit by Alfred she goes back to uh, to Baza and Dave Boy and delivers the message to them in a much more aggressive and angry way than she has been in the past so definitely she's pretty peed off and as well while she's in prison she is referred to as fresh meat and ginger pube so yeah. it's kind of like is this kind of the the relief for the men you know this is kind of a prostitute I think you know that is coming in but that's what they you know, think Alf yeah. yeah exactly and Alfred protects her in that sense yeah. but also at the same time is very clear to as you say I'm not the kind of person that you need to be around or you should be around now he fails miserably on, on this once he is out of prison <laughs> of course yeah. uh, but nonetheless it, it's you you see that protective side of, of Alfred here in, mm -hmm. in this moment also want to give huge props to the background actors in these scenes all the way through every time they're in the prison even when Aziz is in there the kind of shouts that are going on in the prison in the background I thought were really good fun you can hear conversations going on and fights going on in the background the whole time it's really cool it's obviously stuff that isn't scripted it's stuff that's done by the director and done by the background artists themselves you know uh, it's probably scripted as loud fights going on in the background but lots of fun talk in there that you'll that you'll probably hear let's go on to question two John why allow these scoundrels to emerge from the dark layers is the uh, the question that's posed by the PM on TV uh, when he's effectively removing all the gag orders, the kind of things that were stopping all these political parties from getting together. I just love the way he poses that question on television. Why Why would I allow these scoundrels to emerge from their dark corners? Well, why would he? Why would he allow the Raven Society and the No Name League to step up and actually be votable in the election, I suppose? It's that classic electoral strategy of splitting your opposition, mm -hmm. effectively, that you would have supporters voting for no name and raven which means that 
the the prime minister's party comes up through the middle yep. with more votes than either of them and this is where we then get this uh hint of electoral pact uh between the no name league and the raven society where in certain uh constituencies they one or the other will pull out so that all the 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 radical votes go to um, one of the other parties. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I absolutely get that, whether that would be the case of, you know, a socialist party voting for a fascist party. I suspect that's not the case. Probably not, I think ultimately the prime minister's view is absolutely right. You're going to have people going that way to the radical left and right, and he will come up as the moderate center mm-hmm. uh, in the middle uh, of, of these two other parties. So, the pact is a strange one, but I get it. Um, you know, I think this isn't a political show. It's not politically yeah. accurate, but the, the, the strategy of what the prime minister is doing here is absolutely right. And I think in the scheme of radicalized political parties, they are two radical parties compared to his. Yes. So absolutely. He's trying to split that radical vote. Uh, so that he can win this general election uh, that he has uh, brought in. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I suppose this is the political side of these organisations as well. So the way they've kind of sold themselves is we're a new lead for the future, and both sides have sold it that way, and they haven't probably gone into too much of the depth. So I suppose from a political point of view, it's if you had three parties there, the votes would be split Across all three parties, if there's only two parties, they'd be split differently uh, and possibly give more seats to this. What did you think of this, John? We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier on, but what did you think about this idea of getting so much political ideology, I suppose, uh, into this show? I thought it was quite interesting because Pennyworth only broadcast in the US at the moment. does not come into the UK until the 25th of October, uh, and it's being released all as one show, all as 10 episodes uh, on one day, whereas in the US, this felt like it felt like your introduction to how voting happens in other countries. You know, it felt, yeah. it felt very different to reveal all this to an audience who probably isn't very used to this type of voting, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of interesting. It's pretty heavy on, mm. on the political idea. That, but the time which it's being set, you could see, you know, as I say, you had the rivers of blood. Mm-hmm. You had all this stuff that actually has reemerged now with... Brexit with UKIP mm-hmm. in, in the UK, but also with Trump in the US, Maybe. were um, you know immigration, race, um, this idea of people being left behind in some way, mm-hmm. uh, or that you know attention is elsewhere, uh, and in a sense they don't deserve it. All these kind of things all come up again, and yeah. this is really what's being happened here. So I, I think. Um, you know, it, it's reflecting on that period in the past onto what's happening now. Yeah. Yes, the UK political system is probably slightly different. You have more than two parties. Yeah. So it, it makes it for um, electoral pacts between uh, like-minded parties, I suppose. Mm. And if you want to desperately get an incumbent party. And so yeah. that's what you have uh, with... Um, the Raven Society and the No Name League yeah. effectively now starting to come back together to have that uh, pact, that electoral pact whereby they will vote for one another's candidates where they don't stand or they will actively withdraw. And here then we have Martha Kane and Thomas Wayne being thrown into this mix by Udine Thwaite who uh, I have to say, I, I do like when Lord Harwood um, is watching her on TV and he goes, you know, um, well, the Raven Society is more blood and iron, whereas the no-name is selling sponge cake. And you see the Sykes sisters kind of going, well, we kind of like what she's doing here. Um, but uh, in Udine Thwaite, she is not going to be the one discussing with Lord Harwood. Maybe she smells a rat. Maybe she uh, suspects a trap. Mm-hmm. But uh, Martha Kane and Thomas Wayne are suddenly thrust into the politics of England uh, fairly front and central in, uh, in in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about that a bit more, bit more in a moment because I think what's really interesting in this point really is what is connected to the US, I suppose, is... Thomas Wayne works for the CIA and he's told Martha Wayne this. And it's interesting how he describes their interaction with the UK government here going into this new election. He's effectively saying, well, actually, the CIA would back the Raven Party. 
They're currently supporting the Prime Minister as well, and they would support the No Name League if they were allowed to support them. So Thomas is working for the No Name League. We hear that later on, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. And Martha's also working for the No Name League. But the CIA are not controlling the No Name League. They're actually properly supporting, vocally, I suppose, the Raven Party Society and uh, the Prime Minister, which is on his party. You know, I think it was just quite interesting. So that the manipulation that's coming from the CIA in the UK is actually involving almost everybody, as long as it's right for the CIA, I suppose. Definitely. And we get that reaction from Martha where she's going, she wants to work for CIA, but they do have dried up souls like raisins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It, it, it shows this, um, you know, the, this insertion of uh, American strategic interest yeah. into other countries. Uh-huh. You know, there's a, a lot being had about Russia being involved in Trump's election. Mm-hmm. Well, um, dare I say it, uh, I suppose um, the reverse has happened quite a lot in, in history. Yeah. Um, the West has so, always gotten yeah, involved exactly. in, in Eastern so politics. So, yeah. It's an interesting turn of events, Absolutely. for sure. And I think this... This conversation between the two of them really hints at that um, when when you kind of see that the CAA would pick any any of the parties, whichever one boosts what it needs to do or yeah. what its strategic interests are. I think as well, it's um, it's good to see that Martha Kane and Thomas Wayne really are, you know, quite different political beasts as well. Oh, absolutely. And they're clashing once again here. We have Thomas telling her, no, she can't work for the CAA, but he can't stop her working for the No Name Society, but he needs her to think about it. It's kind of what he's saying. You know, if you want to work for the No Name League, that's totally on you, but I can't, I'm not going to hire you to work for the CAA, which ultimately leads her to go and force herself into this situation with the No Name League, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, I was laughing during the week, um, the official Pennyworth account was promoting this episode saying Martha Kane and Thomas Wayne make a great team and they're teaming up again on Sunday night. And I'm going, have they really teamed up? They seem to hate each other. And Thomas seems to try and stop her all the time from doing anything. You know, he seems to try and stop her from joining any of these leagues and fighting the way, the fight that she wants to fight. Because she's an idealistic person, whereas he's just trying Definitely. to accomplish yeah. a job for the CIA, really, which I think is interesting. So a good relationship between the two of them, but not a great team, I suppose. Not at the moment, not at the moment. Yeah. But they're certainly getting there, I think, with their involvement with one another. Yeah. Um, but certainly uh, we see that later on, for sure, in mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Well, let's get in a bit more detail on the Raven Society and on Undyne Thwaite and the No Name League as well. So I kind of wanted to know, would you think the Duke and Duchess of Windermere would really be able to lead the country? Because that's the threat that we have here, is that the Raven Society have the Duke and Duchess of Windermere in their back pocket to use if the Queen doesn't do what they want them to do. It's kind of an interesting threat, really, especially since they seem... Um, kind of scary, really, the two of them, you know. I love the arrival of the Duke and Duchess to uh, his home, to Harwood's home, where they're kind of going, this is abominable. I haven't been able to contact my tailor all week. <laughs> you know, and he's kind of going, you're supposed to be under lock and key. You're not supposed to be revealing to anybody you're in the country. You know, really interesting. Also interesting in that is their arrival of Harwood meeting his wife again for the first time since episode one. Yeah, his wife looked a little shifty here. That was the only thing I would say. And mm-hmm. certainly Peggy and Bet seem to be eyeing her up a little suspiciously. Yep. Um, I, I wonder what she's been up to since he has been away. Maybe uh, it is the butler who's rattling the um, the tray has been um, a, you know, a, a, a warming comfort uh, in the absence of her husband. However, we do see... The, the butler seems to be Aziz's uh, informant here. So uh, that's kind of a nice little touch to see that members of the house staff are um, really trying to sell their employer down the down the road, really. What I thought was even more creepy about that, though, if you noticed when uh, Harwood arrived back and they were serving the, the tea to him, you hear the rattling of the, of the cups, you see his wife rattling her cup when, when he's talking to her as well. And if you noticed... At the beginning, the butler had both of his eyes and didn't, when he reported the crimes to Aziz, he had a an eye patch over one of his eyes. So did something pretty brutal happen to him uh, in between those two scenes? Is that why he's pushed over the edge? And interesting not to show it either. <laughs> that was that was kind of really surprising. I was yeah. like, who's the guy with the eye patch? Oh, that must be the butler. But he didn't have the eye patch the first time we saw him. So No, that's uh, kind of interesting for sure. Yeah. yeah. Did, did Harwood discover or did Bet and Peggy use him as a... I suppose I 
practice, a removal practice, maybe? <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, or, or maybe, again, it's one of those things where it, it's a double bluff. He's reporting back to Aziz and the establishment, but actually Lord Harwood knows this, so they're yeah. giving them what they want. I, I think here as well, you know, we still have the reservation from Francis Gaunt about the Duke and Duchess of oh, Windermere. No, yeah. uh, and it, this is really good. I, I like that she's still kind of pushing that, but it seems as though she is beginning to uh, bring James Lord Harwood round mm-hmm. to her own way of thinking, uh, mainly uh, because of, of what we have uh in, in in these few moments in this episode where they seem like a spoiled vicious couple maybe in part stupid in part cunning but um you know ultimately um it doesn't look like they would go down particularly well with the raven society i think also the thing that has changed is that they are now involved in legal elections yeah. so um to have them under lock and key, so to speak, in hiding probably could really damage their chances in the election because they don't seem to be that popular. And however the country feels, we we have the Queen being still this figurehead that's widely respected. And indeed, Harwood has the army with him, but Mm -hmm. even they make the stand and say, if the Queen isn't, then we're not with you either. So... Um, you know, the, the, there's a little bit of work that uh, Lord Harwood has to do. And in some ways, Francis Gaunt has been right all the time. We need to make sure that the Queen is supportive of the Raven Society mm-hmm. and not the Prime Minister. Yeah, I do, li- I do like the other side of this, the challenge now that Harwood started to feel from the No Name League. He didn't seem to feel any kind of threat in the past. But now when we have Undyne Thwaite on TV being told to bake a cake while she (laughs) explains her story, you know, I think it's really interesting that they've gone this way. It makes loads of sense that her husband's been murdered. She's going to talk on TV in front of everybody saying, I'm not normally the political one. I'm normally the one at home baking the cake and just, you know, doing cake sales is kind of the implication that she's saying, you know, I'm raising funds for our organization, but I will take on the role if I have to, you know. And we have that discussion, as you mentioned, John, about Undyne Thwaite saying, well, I can't be seen making a deal with Harwood, especially because I'm challenging him. So she's trying to send Thomas there. And then you have John Ripper once again in the background going, and I just can't be seen. So once again, mm-hmm. he's the puppet master behind yeah. everything going on. So yeah. really Re- intriguing to see more in the next episode of him. De- definitely. Um, and and all the way through this episode, you're really kind of starting to get this feel that there are a number of people rushing to that same uh, place and I think mm-hmm. that moves us on to question four is Alfred willing to kill to get out of prison and the short answer is yes mm-hmm. um, and again in this one location what we're going to see is Lord Harwood Martha Kane Thomas Wayne Alfred yeah. Davy Boy Baza somewhere around the periphery you're gonna have uh, Inspector Aziz with his with his coppers. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where you're getting a nice grouping of, of people together here. Uh, but certainly Alfred ha- you know, has, has been patient long enough. The politics is changing. The politics that put in there now are bringing him out yeah. uh, so that he can be used and his skill set can be used by Aziz to, uh, as a sniper to take out Harwood and the No Name League mm-hmm. once and for all in this electoral pact. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably my favorite line from yeah. Alfie in this episode where he's saying that, you know, it's politics that put me in prison. Politics is changing. You know, I just, I really like that idea that he knows he's not there for seven years. It's going to happen. He'll get his way out of there. I also think Aziz is probably becoming one of my, my most favorite characters in the show because he just feels so complex. He feels yeah. like he does work for the PM. He works for the Queen, but he's also able to have these discussions with Alfred on a level where he's kind of going, I'm playing all sides. This is what I need to do right now because the PM wants it to happen and the Queen wants it to happen. But it's also to your benefit. He seems to be able to have these discussions with him where he doesn't seem like he's playing Alfred. He seems like he's going to stick by his word, I suppose. Yeah, he's a pragmatist really and he, he really is just trying to, in, in some ways, do his job as best he can. Mm-hmm. But he recognizes in Alfred someone who isn't inherently bad or on one side or the other. So yeah. I, I think maybe he was... Uh, in in the army in the SAS as well maybe Perhaps. there's some kind of um sort of 
army respect here. Yeah. Um, but but certainly some kind of connection between the two of them. Definitely. Yeah, I think the other thing here with this is that I like that they bring uh, Davy Boy and Baza in as well for this attack on uh, Lord Harwood yeah. and the No Name League. And um, one of the things that Davy Boy says in the pub. Um, is, you know, we're in the engine room of history. And I thought it was a really nice That's way of saying idea. it as well. Uh, to which Alfred responds, oily rags, Davy boy, oily rags. <laughs> Very good. They are the rags that clean up the mess mm-hmm. in that engine room of history. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was a really nice way of phrasing it. And I, I mm-hmm. think, you know, Pennyworth has the, the, these really good lines that come in, and that is testament to Bruno Heller's mm-hmm. writing and the other writers as well. And I think, you know, it, it is that this moment in time in this universe is a crucible. It's a melting pot. And um, there will be a shift one way or the other. And Mm -hmm. that's very much what people are talking about now with populism, with Trump, with with Boris Johnson. Uh, It is for that time with you know, the rivers of blood. Uh, and it went luckily one way back in the 50s uh, to uh, the benefit of not being a populist fascist racist, yeah. I suppose. Absolutely, yeah. And this is obviously happening a lot later in the UK than it happened in real life. It's happening in the mid-60s. So uh, interesting to see what way it could go. Um, we talked last week about... Uh, the possibility that something different was happening in the UK because we have Harwood standing up in front of everybody saying, England, you're seeing me now. England is behind me, effectively. And we were wondering whether the UK is different, whether the makeup of it is different. I thought there was an interesting discussion there with Aziz where he was saying that Harwood is going to need some enemies. He is a warmonger. We need to take him out because most likely he's going to start a war with Scotland. So once again, kind of underlying the fact that maybe the UK as a as a country isn't the same as it is now with the four in the four nations joined together, that there is potentially some major saber-rattling that could be going on between England itself and Scotland in future if Harwood gets power. So uh, that's the reason why they need them to step off. You know, it's, it's very much, they think No Name League could take some seats away because of this deal, but they do think that Harwood could be the one in the driver's seat uh, because he won't accept any kind of proper agreement with them other than a way to get himself into power which i just think is quite quite fascinating you know that they've got the all of these kind of ideas and machinations going on in the background you know um we do have the reunion of everybody as you mentioned back in the severed arms with everybody singing tom jones delilah uh, which is really nice yeah as everybody gets more and more drunk and as you mentioned alfred going back to bed with sandra you know um I do feel sometimes when you get a show like this where you have one person writing most or all of the episodes, you kind of see their through line. Remember, you know, the series started with Alfred and Esme getting back, to, getting together. That was their story. Episode two was called The Landlord's Daughter, which introduced Sandra. And now we're here, episode nine, and we have Alfie back in bed, at bed with Sandra. It almost felt like the start of the series was about Alfred and his first love. And towards the end of the series, we have Alfred actually going on to the person he will spend the rest of his life with potentially which would be sandra yeah. although we do know alfred is a bachelor so potentially something bad is going to happen to his second love which will put him off women forever i suppose uh, for or a very he just long doesn't time. go there yeah and very long time. you know it is you shouldn't be around people like me yeah uh, and he really is um a bon viveur should we say? Should we? Because I have no idea what that means, John. Should we say Bon Viver? I think so. <laughs> I'm like, is that that Scottish rock band? Well, it's no, bon that's Bon Viver. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am obviously going to be doing some uh, some Googling after the episode finishes <laughs> to find out what that one means. <laughs> it's a bit of a, you know, he's kind of a bit of a womanizer, a bit Bond-like in yeah. that sense. Yeah, very much so. Uh, let's get on just a little bit on the actual mission itself, because we do have Alfie with his sniper rifle, Dave Boy on one side, Baza on the other. I love the Baza instantly when he sees him. He kind of goes, how'd you get out of prison? Who is it that you have to kill? So Baza instantly recognizes the yeah. only way obvious here is that they've gone for the standard option of going, ah, we're going to use your special skills to go and take somebody out. Uh, and then obviously when told it's Harwood, he goes, oh, the most famous and possibly most loved person in this country right now, and <laughs> you have to go and kill him. So, But yeah, we get these great moments between this this group. You know, I, I do like this uh, Pennyworth security as they still are now. You know, I love Dave Boy going out, here we are in the beautiful fresh air, and all we have to do is just shoot a couple of people. You know, <laughs> what a great day today <laughs> is, you know, really enjoyable. But we do see as they line up the shot that the patsies, as they were called, as the other people that, that Alfred had to kill, the patsies going for the deal is Thomas and Martha Wayne. So, uh, so interesting that 
Alfie's kind of saying, well, I've dealt with these two people before. I haven't, um, I can't kill them, you know? No, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, the whole plan goes belly up, really, because he, he's not going to kill Thomas and Martha Wayne. Yeah. And effectively, um, you know, you have this radio communication between um, Baza and uh, Aziz, and Aziz isn't getting what he's wanting. He's going to take them out, take them out. Nothing's happening. And in the end, you know, Alfie goes, look, let me take the, the walkie-talkie. Um, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Because it's Thomas and Martha Wayne. And in the end, he just starts firing wide of the marks yeah. to warn them that they're there. And then as he sends in the police cars in order to arrest them, so he starts firing at their engine so that he takes out the cars mm-hmm. to allow them all to escape. So ultimately... They all escape. Um, Harwood, Thomas uh, Wayne, and Martha Kane. Yeah, exactly. I do think it's quite interesting because of how good a shot Alfred is. I love the reaction from Harwood where he's saying, he missed me by inches. He doesn't realize it was a warning shot, that he meant to miss him by inches. He thinks he just got really lucky and got and lived after that shot from Alfred. So accomplished his mission in some way, sent the warning to him, but... Harwood just thinks he's getting away and didn't didn't get hit because the guy was a, a slightly worse shot than uh, than Alfred would be, and that does lead us on to our question five: What are the implications of not killing Harwood? Because the last few minutes of the episode play out to uh, the song "Bring Me Sunshine," this version, this lovely version of "Bring Me Sunshine" that's playing over the top of all the things that are happening, all the fallout that happens because Harwood gets away. You know, if Harwood had died here, he wouldn't be trying to make these inroads with the army effectively because he hadn't had that discussion before the end and these are the army guys that we saw when alfred uh, went to visit the uh, the former veterans so these are the guys who are still in control of the army uh, all still wearing their outfits all all still wearing their uniforms and all sitting back in london directing all of the army's actions i suppose so uh, so i like the idea that harwood's going to then to get their their opinions about uh, whether they should join him Uh, and we see harwood uh, does have or will have the queen in his pocket because he sent peggy and beth to go and pick her up yeah, I think this is one of the best moments, um, this series. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it where she's, Queen is on this hunting trip that they fire and then there is this scream and one of Queen's bodyguards goes over to find, um, it's Mrs. Spicer seemingly killed, um, and, and shot in the head. Uh, we really hope that she isn't. Um, no. we think the Spicers should live forever. <laughs> And they are. They will a, in our memories. They even will, if they exactly. Yeah. They are an unusual and very unique part of this show. Certainly. Uh, and it's a really nice to see a show that has that kind of weird craziness, to be honest. And to, <laughs> to love them so much. To have that in there. So uh-huh. uh, I really hope she hasn't been shot in the head. But I, lo- um, I also love the reaction of the Queen's bodyguard when he goes, <laughs> when she shoots the gun, you hear a woman scream and he goes, Oh yeah, deers can make that noise as well. <laughs> yeah. It's like clearly a woman's scream. Um, I do wonder, she has that shot in her head and you're wondering whether, you know, did, did Peggy or Bess shoot her in the head to make this play or is that a bit of visual effects? You know, did they put a pizza on the side of her head to scare the guy when he came out? You know, you just don't know until maybe next week, but that could be the end of Mrs. Spicer, which would be awful. Well, it was certainly the end of one of the bodyguards and another. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the queen is left there being told to drop her gun. Yes. Your majesty. We're not allowed to use the other word that no, was in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, drop the effing gun, right. your majesty from, uh, from Bet Sykes and Peggy. Yeah. Uh, so yes, the Queen meets the Sykes sisters, and, and I'm sure they are going to impress upon Her Majesty quite a lot that she needs to back Lord Harwood. Yes. And she needs to do it very publicly, and she needs to do it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Because then I think what you'll see is the army rolling in and, and this coup d'etat. Yeah. And I wonder if a season two would then be kind of like this idea of the French resistance in the Nazis with Thomas Wayne, Alfred and uh, Martha Kane. Mm-hmm. That would make it really interesting because I suppose the other fallout, the other implication here that we have from the non-killing of Harwood is that Alfred's going into hiding. Um he sadly just found out about his father having cancer and only having a few more months to live. And after having that kind of reunion party in the severed arms, and the next time he sees his parents after finding out that his dad is dying of cancer, um, he has to reveal to his mom that job that he was doing for the government, that person he was supposed to kill to keep himself safe, 
the job went wrong, you know? I absolutely love how both of them play this role. Jack Bannon is so good in these kind of moments and the kind of quieter moments in the episode. And his mother, played by Dorothy Atkinson, I think she's so strong in this moment where yeah. she's kind of saying, if it had gone right, he would have been free and now he has to go into hiding. Um, but she understands all of the reasons behind it. I think it's, it's such a, a, a great moment for her as a character. Also, a little bit of a comment. I'm wondering on could this go, show go two ways? Does he go into hiding? He says, I have the option maybe of the West Indies. And his mom starts reacting to going, oh, no, not America. Please don't say you have to run away to America, which obviously would be Gotham, where yeah. uh, we will find Alfred Pennyworth in the future at some point. And then he kind of says to her, don't worry about it. Actually, I'm going to go to Wales, which, again, feels like Wales is another country uh, separate to the UK. It feels like he's going into hiding like you would in America going to Canada. In all of those shows where they always say go across the border, it feels like there potentially is a border between England and Wales where he's going to go and hide out. Yeah, so, definitely. Uh, so interesting there. We could be getting to the end of a series where potentially Alfred hops on a plane with Martha and Thomas off to off to Gotham at the end of Pennyworth season one. You know, there hasn't been a season two confirmed yet, so we don't know if there's one coming, but there's loads of options for them. And I really like your idea for season two of, uh, of Pennyworth, that it could be the resistance in England versus uh, the Raven Society. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's all our major questions for this episode, isn't it, John? Anything else uh, you want to talk about at the end of this episode? A little bit of English uh, slang here. The Collywobbles, as Alfred says to, to Baza, he says, uh, now you've got the Collywobbles. It's kind of, you know, it's that kind of lack of courage or, um, you know, being able to sort of step up to the plate that they're, they're trying to hide from something. So it's, you're getting nervous and agitated about uh, doing something yeah. uh, that really puts you on the line. So you get the Collywobbles. You know, I have to say, I wonder about the casting of Jack Bannon and how it was done, you know, because he can deliver lines like that, that I haven't heard the phrase collywobbles for decades, but he's able to easily deliver them and not have any problems at all. Uh, I know we may have mentioned it earlier on in the season, but I do want to mention again, because this could be the last time we see Micklewhite Avenue, uh, where Alfred lived with his parents. Uh, That's named after Michael Caine because his real name is is, uh, Micklewhite. Um, Just interesting that that they have that in there. Uh, As the final moment, as he leaves, you can see it quite clearly clearly pointed out that that's the street he lived on. A nice little reference to Michael Caine there as well. Uh, do you want to know if Mrs. Spicer's dead? Hopefully we'll find out that she's not dead. Hopefully that was just a bit of acting with some pizza, possibly, which was brought in, imported from Italy uh, in the 60s. Yes, I, I hope so. <laughs> crossing fingers, crossing fingers. I also have to say, um, the show finishing with the status quo song, A Den Den, Deeper and Den, I just thought it was a nice reference to effectively the uk right here britain right now as it's going down further down as uh as bet and pecky pick up the queen to take her with them uh, i just kind of see that that's the that's the end of the old england really yes yeah indeed that's it for everything about the episode john how would you rate episode nine of season one of pennyworth alma cogan um it's it's a weird one really because I did actually really like it, but I didn't feel I had an awful lot to say on it. It's quite political, and it, it's you know it's it's the Raven Society and the No Name coming together mm-hmm. and having this moment on this ley line where everyone comes together and Alfred has to make a choice again. You know he he's got the option here of of being safe from persecution and going back into prison from the government or going back on the run again and he makes his choice here but i i really enjoyed it um and i i would give this four fluffy sponge cakes out of five nice. there yes i think uh, I, th- I thought it was a nice episode um sort of engineering people coming together in this way yeah. um and i I loved the ending with the Sykes sisters and the Queen. I thought that was absolutely superb. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in some ways, I, I just, I'm very unclear how episode 10 is going to pan out here. There's a lot to potentially get through, but I do feel it's going to set it up in a way that, um, maybe has, uh, Alfred, Thomas and Martha being kind of leaders of a resistance mm-hmm. against uh, the Raven Society. But then 
I still don't feel we're finished with um, Udine Thwaites or John Ripper. I think John Ripper can't go that easily. Oh, he's definitely not um, You know, yeah. but certainly at this moment in time, it seems to be Harwoods to lose. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed the episode, um, and that's why I'd give it four fluffy sponge cakes out of five. Nice. Nice. Yeah, there was that interesting moment early on when Alfred was talking to Aziz about who his target was, and Aziz says to him, well, it's not the Duke. You can't kill Dukes unless there's absolutely no other choice. So wondering if the Duke will survive this season of the show. Well, that is true. Uh, as well as, you know, if the Queen's in the hands of the Raven Society and they're trying to convince her to go on their side and, and say we have the Duke in our hands, uh, if you don't go on our side, well, potentially the Duke becomes a target then, right? Definitely. So, uh, so some interesting stuff for the next episode. Absolutely. Just one more thing I completely forgot to mention, and that was when Alfred is free and he comes back to the Severed Arms and you have Davy Boy and Bazza effectively deep in conversation <laughs> uh, discussing their plan to <laughs> yeah. get Alfred out of Newgate Prison as mm-hmm. he kind of stands over them and goes, hi, boys. Uh, loved it. I thought that was a really yeah. nice uh, bit of timing and sense of humor uh, as they were doing that. So, yes, uh, just a, another little quick note at Well, thanks so much for joining us for our discussion about episode nine of Pennyworth. I'll do one more episode of Pennyworth to go. We will be staying in the DC universe for our next show. We're going to be talking about The Watchman, which is coming up from the 20th of October in the US, 21st of October in the UK. Um, Just heard this week that it is going to be a sequel to the comic books. So if you haven't read the comic books... Probably a good bit of time that you have uh, a couple of weeks now to read uh, the the original 12-issue comics uh, leading into uh, this season of Watchmen coming up on the 21st of October. But the reason why I'm saying that is I know the comic books had quite a different ending than the movie did. So I'm feeling that if Damon Lindelof, the showrunner of Watchmen, is saying that those comics all matter it means we're probably going to see the comic book ending referenced in the TV show, and you want to know what that is. Well, and it's also David Lindelof of Lost Mm -hmm. fame, so you know how much um, was important in in terms of back history or even just things in the background, you know. And the Watchmen comic is such a dense piece of information with lots of stuff that can be brought out from that. So... So this does look like it's going to be a bit of an Easter egg hunt, um, and there's going to be lots of stuff embedded in this, lots of meaning, lots of counter-meaning, uh, but certainly linking back to the comic will certainly make it a very rich and textured series, I reckon. So yeah, yeah. cannot wait for The Watchmen. Absolutely. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on tvpodcastindustries.com so that you can get that podcast. And of course, our final episode of Pennyworth. We're going to be recording that final episode a little bit early before it airs in the US uh, and we'll be releasing it as usual next Monday. The final episode is named Marianne Faithful, another brilliant singer from the 60s. We will be recording it early uh, as we've been doing with these episodes. Make sure you send in your thoughts about episode 9 and episode 10 and the whole season as a whole. Uh, We'll hopefully be coming back to record kind of a wrap-up episode and any feedback that we've gotten in uh, in the next couple of weeks before we start our coverage of Watchmen. I want to have kind of a little kind of wrap-up about how this first season of the show's gone and potentially by then we may know if we're going to have a second season of the show or not as well so we can have a little discussion about that and be, be interesting to do that thanks so much for joining us please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on tv podcast industries and let us know what you're thinking so far as always it is a pleasure speaking with you fellow governors uh really enjoyed this episode of pennyworth hope you did too uh I'm off to make some sponge cake for my electoral campaign. And once we've been trashed at the polls and I've been banged into prison, uh, I will then be back to speak with you again soon. Mm -hmm. Because I'll have plenty of free time. Bye. Bye.